0: This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually, It's so much more than that. It's all around us. Hello and welcome to this week's cultural quarter of an hour podcast. Hope you are well. This week's podcast is going to sound a little bit Familiar, But don't worry, it's not a repeat. What we are doing this week is, if you remember a few weeks back, it was the Heritage Open days and I went around Newcastle. I went into the St Giles Church and then I went to the Unitarian Meeting House next door where I heard about all the stuff they get up to there. But it's their 300th anniversary of that building. And to mark that, they have created the most stunning wall-hanging just absolutely beautiful it's all made out of textiles and it depicts the 300 years of history of that building and in fact beyond that and uh, we mentioned it a little bit in the actual heritage open days podcast but uh, i had to just give you a little bit extra um and give you the full details of this amazing wall hanging got three panels, each dealing with
1: a different aspect or time period. The first one is called Origins, and it stems from the translation of the Bible into vernacular languages, so that people could actually find out for themselves what was in the Bible, and of course they started to discover that the Trinity wasn't in there. And so... A lot of the early thinkers said, we need something different, and this is when the non-Trinitarian tradition began, really. But this meeting house, its history really stems, first of all, from, from Charles II, because in his time... The parliament was more royalist even than the king, and they passed a number of laws which greatly affected non-conformists. The first law, which said that any minister in a state church had to believe in the Trinity. And as it turned out, there were over 2,000 such ministers, one of them being in our neighbouring church, St. Giles. And he did not believe in the Trinity, and all he, along with the 2,000 others, were ejected from the church. Then there was something called the Five Mile Act, which said that anyone ministering or teaching in a non-conformist religious building had to live at least five miles outside the jurisdiction and the minister who George Long who'd been ejected had to walk and he had a large family so he left he left and sailed to Holland this is the ship now for a short while after that there was something called the Act of Indulgence, which allowed nonconformists to meet in homes around the country. It only lasted one year, but it gave people the feeling that they could now form groups, at least. Happily after that William and Mary arrived and of course they were nonconformists themselves and that's when the meeting house was built well it was built in 1694 and at that time in Newcastle the mayors and the local officials were often nonconformists so the town enjoyed a period of freedom for nonconformists. However, in 1703, I, two or three, Queen Anne came to the throne and everything changed. The nonconformist officials and mayors were sent packing. So while this when this building was completed, it actually became in 1704 the first Orms school. Uh, the Orms le- left money that was used for for the first English school so just for everyday folk who weren't taught Latin and Greek as they were in the grammar schools for wealthy people they were just taught to read and write and add up numbers so it was a real reform in education associated here. Now the next of the hangings of the panels is called the destruction because that's one of the most exciting ones to read about and find out about. And it does show that a number of things that happened before the destruction the mayor, who by now, within after Queen Anne's reign, was a, was a loyalist, not a nonconformist, he wanted to get rid of the meeting house, as did many others. And some men came up to him and said, "We can get things going," and he said wonderful. They said, we could have a duel and then get the crowd whipped up, ready for something. The mayor thought this was a wonderful idea, but took a brief step back and said, wonderful, but not within my jurisdiction. I don't want to be held responsible, so they had to move out a little bit, but a little bit outside then was at the castle. So indeed at the castle, as you can see, a duel took place, the mayor quickly retreated, but everybody else didn't want to just go home after this, and they all went to taverns. And the picture, I think, illustrates how they got sozzled. They turned into a bit of a mob. But where did they get the money for all that drink? Oh, well, it came from the Sneed family. The Sneeds were royalists. They'd suffered when uh, nonconformism had a better hold. So... They were getting their own back. They all got drunk, and then at 9 o'clock in the evening, as you can see, there are three bells there. Those are the bells of St. Giles, and they were rung to call people to the riot. People arrived completely drunk. And they were fighting. They started fires. And from St. Giles's tower was sent down a big hammer to break down the door of the meeting house and old bell ropes to pull the rafters down so that they could destroy the building. There was uproar. This was the largest of many fires all around Staffordshire. And in fact, it was discussed in Parliament. And they said people had to be recompensed. So there was money forthcoming. There were a lot of guilty people around in Newcastle. A trial was held. However, the mayor got off scot-free, as did everybody else. What had happened? The mayor had packed... The jury and so they were just all let off. well, Parliament was not happy with this arrangement, and it was taken to a higher court in Stafford, and there we have the mayor sitting in a cell. <laughs> The very last panel is called Ups and Downs. It, the first part of it is really about famous sons, and the most famous is Josiah Wedgwood. He was uh, one of the main anti-slavery advocates. And there's a little um, medallion shown there that says, Am I not a man and a brother showing a... <laughs> Uh, a black man le- kneeling down in chains. And this was produced in ceramic form, but as buttons, as snuffbox uh, lids, as m- in men's pipes, all over. And he sent them over to America as well. And Benjamin Franklin was said to have repeated, this is better than Any pamphlet we could have produced, because everyone can see exactly what it is, and it's everywhere. So that was a big thing in the anti-slavery movement. I should have said, of course, that Wedgwood was a main benefactor and member here. So he was a very important person in keeping this as a major religious non-conformist building. Also, on the far side is Darwin. Darwin's grandfather was a member of the Lunar Society, uh, along with Wedgwood and Joseph Priestley. And his grandfather was the f- the one who originally thought about the theory of evolution. Uh, But it was his grandson, of course, who put it into practice. He married into the Wedgwood family. And although he wasn't really a practicing Unitarian, he did come here, and he used to meet um, Wedgwood's daughter. The next big, long picture really shows what happened in the 19th century there were a lot of openings and closing it was very erratic partly because a lot of other nonconformist places opened up partly because people began to worry about nonconformism because the french revolution had put into people's minds the idea of maybe things could become dangerous, and so people were wary about that. And also locally, of course, they'd been pushed out of local government. So it opened and closed, and during one of the closures, someone tried to... Um, by the right-of-way through the churchyard of St. Giles, which is really very unusual, they failed. So that right-of-way has existed through all the trials and tribulations. In 1926, things were improving, and an ad- a story was added. The next picture shows some of the varying groups that meet here. Uh, there are a lot of groups that are helping groups like Al-Anon and Changes, which are things that are, are dear to the hearts of Unitarians. But we also have a number of dancing groups. We have a yoga group, we have outdoor groups, and a ping-pong group. And the very last one is as modern as it could possibly be it's a photograph on silk taken about two months ago of what happens in here on a sunday after the service at a shared meal we continue on and
0: welcome whoever's interested in just coming to find out i promise you i was there when uh, Judy was talking. It's just, she had so much to say. I didn't need to ask her any questions at all during that conversation. I, I can't, I can't tell you enough how much you need to go and see this wall hanging. It is absolutely stunning. Three separate wall hangings, all telling the 300 years story of The Meeting House. Now, of course, you can get in touch with me on social media. That's the best way to get in touch with the podcast. Facebook, it is at cultural quarter of an hour podcast. And on Twitter, it is at CQH pod. And of course, there'll be another podcast next week.